From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 94, and today I'm joined by Daniel Grant, who is a film reviewer as well as a podcaster on the family of networks that is ThatShelf.com podcasts. Uh, you can check him out. He does the Spoiled Rotten podcast, as well as Movies versus Matrimony, and a bunch of other stuff on the site. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. All right, so we're sitting down to watch The Dirty Dozen. I'm Jeremy. I have never seen this movie. I'm, I'm Daniel. I also have never seen this movie. And you picked it, so why did you pick this? Uh, the big thing was, I'm, I'm really into comic book movies, and I started to see there was a trend of them being like, let's do the movie from the villain side, and what was always cited was, it'll be like Dirty Dozen. Yeah. And I was like, man, I should really get around to see Dirty Dozen. Yeah, same. Like, I think I probably first heard of it, I think, no, I'm, I'm sure I've heard of it many times over the years, but I remember really actively going, I should watch this movie when Inglorious Bastards was right. first coming out. Yeah, because I remember him saying it's like that. Yeah, it's an update on the Dirty Dozen. Uh, and just and, and also, like, you know, now we've got stuff like Suicide Squad and... <clears throat> well, they wanted to do Sinister Six, and they kept yeah. saying it's like that, or Dirty Dozen. So I... I'd heard of it before just because of the actors involved, so I always knew yeah. of it, and but I, I didn't really know, and Eminem's band is named after them, like Dirty Dozen, so I'm just like, I know it's out there. It, and yeah, like, it's a pop culture black hole, for right, sure, exactly. for both of us. That's amazing. So what So what do, I think we probably know, I know what I know about the movie, it's like I know that it's like about, it's, it's uh, kind of like, you know, not evil soldiers, but soldiers of ill repute dropped into... It's kind of like, I think they're sent on basically a suicide mission. Yes. Where it's like, if you guys don't make it, we don't care. But all, but also, if you survive, you're pardoned or something, potentially? I think, yeah, I think that's the idea, is that they get, like... It's got to be just a pardon, because they're not in jail. I, I was going to say they get time knocked off, but that's not a thing. And I think, yeah, it's just they get pardoned for their Yeah, their I'm, sure, I'm sure they've done something bad during war times that they would be considered mutinous for, and this is like their one chance yeah. at redemption. Okay, yeah. I didn't know any more than... I, I'm, I'm making that up. I don't know. I, I, I guess think, we'll find out. Yeah. But my understanding is it is bad guys who are put in an impossible situation and if they succeed something good will happen for them yeah or but no one die and no one will care. no one expects them to succeed <laughs> yeah they're collateral damage yes yeah so this is that's what we are assuming i made a point of not looking anything up just so to go in fresh the only thing i got screwed up on because i knew that this is like it's got a giant awesome cast but when I went to uh, rent it on iTunes, like the cast popped up. I was like, no! Ah, I, tried, yeah. I tried to show my eyes, but I caught one or two names. And I won't tell you what they are. Uh, but it was like, oh, that's awesome that they're in it. But I wish I would have just... I don't know the one name. Uh, well, it's just because I've seen his face like associated the, with it so much. On the poster? I don't even know if it's a poster. I feel like it's just a still that comes up when you search Dirty Dozen. Yeah, yeah. Who's that? Is I it? see Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland, yeah. That's one I, I saw I knew. There's two that I saw. And I was like, ah. Yeah. Other than that, I oh, I do know someone else. But that's just because I saw him in other movies and my parents said he was from this the, one. The Dirty Dozen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what else? What else uh, for the pre-conversation? I'm trying to think. The, the director isn't someone that I'm super familiar with. I'm trying to remember his name. It's not even coming to me. It's yeah. with an A. I think it's something A. Do you, to, do you want me to look it up, or do you? We'll, no, go, I guess we we'll, go, we'll go to the internet after. Okay. Once yeah. you pull up something, yeah, every, you I'll see everything. Are you like that with when when you if you miss like something on opening weekend or or your, a TV episode you're following comes out? I don't want to open up anything. I just uh, 
when I'm podcasting, I try to go in fresh because I review comic book movies. Yeah. I mean, most big opening things. Like, I I think this week we're going to do Fantastic Beasts and Crimes of Grindelwald, however you yeah. pronounce it. Uh, so that's not comic books. But, like, I try to have as un- influenced as... Inf- like, yeah, I try to not have my opinion swayed by, like, a, a review I read or just reactions I Great. see. Yeah, I'm the same way. Um yeah, but especially in this stuff. I remember because years ago, I got I got, I got screwed over. This this is a big spoiler, but it's also the show's been off the air now for over a decade, so uh, I don't care. Um, when Six Feet Under was in its final season, did you watch Six Feet Under? I didn't see the final season. Oh, I watched everything, but I don't want to say anything. Anyway, no, just, I know what happens. I've I've seen you Google. I think I saw the last episode. Okay, so I was I, there was something. It was like. It was at that point where I, where I was buying all of the seasons when they came out on disc, but mm-hmm. I didn't have HBO yet. I was like a poor student, and so I would buy the seasons when they came out on disc, and I would like bit torrent them yeah. when, when the episodes dropped because I, I definitely I was such a fan of that show. I definitely didn't know what happened, and so I justified torrenting them by going, oh, "I'm going to buy it after yeah. they're getting my money somehow. It's okay if I watch it over this way." And so I was I just googled I just put six feet under into like Google. To see when the next if the next episode had come up, oh. and a news thing came up, it was like Six Feet Under, shocking death, killing Nate in yeah. mid season. And I was like, "You motherfuckers!" Oh, I didn't How? know what happened mid. They did it halfway through the okay. final season. See, I thought that was the last episode. Thing. No, in the last episode they kill everybody. Yeah, oh, yeah, I guess or they, they show everybody them, yeah. yeah until they die. But uh, it was just one of those things where I'm like, "No, you bastards! Why would you tell? <laughs> why would you put that in the fucking headline?" I think that happened for me with Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I was just trying to read something else. And it was like, can you believe this? I was like, what? The, I haven't even had a chance to see the movie. And usually I see the movies early enough. Yeah. And I'm like, why is this in like the headline? Like, why did this happen? I just avoid now. I, I just kind of like put my blinders on. I decide, I've, I've gotten good. I've gotten lucky with just being able to go, I'm going to avoid anything. Or I just turn my brain off. I Like one of my huge TV black holes uh, that I'm going to fill in this year, I think is uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, man. Uh, you, what you were talking about for uh, Six Feet Under is what I did for Game of Thrones. Like, I would be downloading it and be like, yeah, I'll, I'll buy the Blu-rays DVDs later. Yeah, I, I picked worry. up... Costco had the box set of, like, the first eight, seven seasons or whatever it is. Okay. So I'm going to start binging them leading up to yeah, the final lead, season. Yeah, I mean, that's a good way to do it. But uh, but it is one. Of, but I've been able. Like I just know the smallest of things. I know a couple little catchphrases. That's good if you've been able that to ultimately mean nothing to me. Yeah, because I'm mean, like I have no context. You would have to see it in context. But that's good that you've been able to say it. Because I have a cousin who just every Sunday I'm like I can't go on social media because she will post what's happening because she's watching it yep. legally, like while it's airing, and I'm just like I'll watch it tomorrow. Like when I'm able to download it and. Yeah, is every time without fail. I'm like, all right, great. Yep. Well, I know that's, this. <laughs> that's what if I can't if I don't see a movie, a big movie on opening weekend, I kind of avoid Twitter. Yeah, for a couple of days. Well, it's not Smart. that hard. Usually, you can just you don't click on any of the trending links and you're fine. But uh, or or big big popular TV shows, I just avoid the internet, which I then find is a healthy way to live anyway. <laughs> yeah, that, that is smart. I, I should get on that. <laughs> should I should be just off social media more? <laughs> yeah, take take little breaks. Uh, Alright, so should we just dive in then? Let's do it. Let's go for it. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Alright, we just finished. Yep. And? I was pleasantly surprised. I, I thought, I'm not a big war movie guy, so that's probably why I hadn't, haven't seen it up until yeah. now. But I I thought there was a nice, uh, maybe not for some, but it, it's a long movie. But like the first bit of it has enough goodwill for me to like get to the other parts. And some of the parts that I was like, oh, I can't believe they weren't doing that happens in the end anyway. So I I feel like I got everything I wanted out of it. Like there was yeah. some good dialogue at the beginning because I didn't think that would be the case. Like there was some way more humor than I thought there would be. And, uh, yeah, we. I guess for me, as I, I assumed with the with the initial premise that there would be some kind of tongue and cheekness to the whole thing. You almost have to. Yeah, I thought it was going to be more like gritty and grisly. No, no, like the humor would just be more crass. Oh, okay. Like, I thought that like the Lee Marvin character was like more of the humor I kind of like. Like he, like he, 
he was, like, the smartest guy in the room in any given situation. Yeah. It wasn't just, like... Yeah, I, I just... Very I dry. Like the, I, like the, I like the dry humor. There's that great moment early on when uh, when they're first getting together and um, Talisa Vallis, uh maggot, makes that terrible uh, racial comment. Yeah. And then they just... And then Jim Brown just starts pummeling the fuck out of him. And then Lee Martin just walks out of the room and he's like... There seems to be some disagreement over the seating arrangements, yeah. or something. Yeah, he's <laughs> like he he the southern gentleman inquired about the dining arrangements or something like that, which I thought was great. But as we were talking before we started recording this, that might that might have just been he didn't really care what's going on. I'm sure it was written that way, but like I thought the way he was delivering all of his lines, like kind of kind of like throwing them away, like most of the time, like so charming. It really worked. It totally worked, uh, and then we were just reading up. A uh, quick trivia and that Lee Marvin kind of phoned in the performance and saw it as just a pure money gig. That's crazy. Uh, but it totally works for the character because he's got this like sly uh, smile on his face almost the whole time. Yeah. Uh, and so it's almost like that's his, you know, there's also probably a reason why, you know, of any, you know, ranking officer, he's in charge of these guys because it's like they probably don't care if he dies either. Yeah. I, I mean, there seemed to be that one guy that was kind of hoping that guy, that he died. Yeah, that he wouldn't make it out. Um, yeah, I found I really, really loved. Like, I thought like the first act was really solid. The setup was mm-hmm. nice and efficient. Uh, I liked the beginning of the train. I found the middle really dragged. I so th- is that's the the train. training or the war game? It's is almost it? like the second the war like, game. Yeah, the what? war game. I was like. It's weird because I know they still have to do their mission. I know. And, and I, was, so, yeah. I was drifting in and out. I was like, what the? What is happening right now? Uh, yeah. Because I, I, I thought like when they when he was like, okay, you're done training. I'm like, wow. Like they didn't. Or I, at one point, I didn't even think they were going to show training. I thought they were going to go right into the mission. Yeah. Uh, just because, as you said, that, that first act did a really good job of being like, okay, like here are the characters. This is what's at stake. Uh, and so then when he was like, all right, now we're going into training, I was like, wow, okay, so I guess that's why this movie is two and a half hours. Like, yeah, they're, they're really going to show everything. Tr- and the War Games thing, yeah, I, I was like, oh, I didn't think we needed You could have easily cut 45 minutes out of this movie. Um, yeah, because, I mean, the setup, as efficient as it is, it does take a while to, for them even to get into basic training. Yeah. Or it, their version of basic training. And I thought that worked. I think that you know the third act is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, all that stuff works works just fine and well. I mean, there's a, there, there, there's something great about spending that much time with these characters and getting to know them. So that way, when you're watching them all be slaughtered at the end, you care. I yeah, I was gonna say there was a point where I was just like, oh man, like I just realized that probably a lot of them have to die. That's why there's twelve of them. Because I was like, maybe like one or two, and then like when they just throw away the Yemenis death, I was like, oh, I guess like a bunch of them have to die then. Yeah, the guy's <laughs> in the tree. Yeah, there's a guy, he snapped his neck in the tree, and I'm like, what? Why did that have to happen? And then Lee Marvin says right away, it's like, that's why I tell you all to climb the rope. Yeah. It's like, fuck, man. Um, yeah, as soon as Donald Sutherland's character died, you're like, oh, well, I guess I'll kill anyone now. Yeah, because I thought he would be like the the doofy guy that just makes it through anyway because he's so affable but really the only prisoner that survives is Charles Bronson yeah he's the only one because the other guy was the sergeant that was like kind of taking or that had control of them beforehand yeah he's literally the only one that makes it spoiler (laughs) yeah I Um, will say though even though there was a lot of times some of them I there was like seven of them that I I wouldn't be able to tell you who they are they were so interchangeable (laughs) yeah like those guys on the bridge I was like I don't even know who these guys are no it was a sea of generic white dudes Um, Um, and and then you've got and the only diversity in the entire cast is Jim Brown And then I guess Jimenez. And at one point, there's a throwaway line about, show me your Apache strength, who I don't know who he was talking to. I can't remember if that was Blossom or not. Yeah. Which I guess can, counts, but again, as you said, the only like visible person and the only person whose like, ethnicity matters to the storyline is uh, Jim Brown's Jefferson. Yeah, and the only and the only females in the movie are the prostitutes that they I, bring in. That's what I was thinking. At one point, you're like, "Oh, are the only women going to be in this like prostitutes? Like, not even like a secretary or a nurse." And, and I, then they get into a whole building, like the a, German, the Nazi, yeah. But then they all die. Yeah, then they all except they for the mur- French ones, except for the maids. Yeah, which was another interesting thing I thought the movie did, which is like usually the bad guys would be the ones like killing people at a party. I mean, other than. Inglorious bastards. Yeah, but, 
I thought Inglorious Bastards at least like gave you a reason to hate everyone who died at that movie theater. Like there was like yeah, yeah. Other than yes, obviously they're Nazis, but like they showed you moments where it was like, oh, that person needs to get their comeuppance. Whereas these people, you were just like, yeah, they're Nazis. And I guess it's close. It's what it's made in I the think 60s they, that you're like, yeah, they're Nazis. Kill them. Yeah. I think they just traffic in that. They traffic in the idea that it's like, yeah, people, you, you, get, you get a real shorthand with Nazis. Yeah. Or it's just like, oh, they're Nazi. Kill them. Because, uh, yeah, I was like, oh, like, that's interesting that, like, this isn't played as, like, a moral quandary. Like, at first I thought maybe Jim Brown felt bad, but then he smiles and starts throwing the grenades down. I, I was wh- like, oh, okay. Like, as soon as they start throwing them down the bench, you're like, ooh. Is it, like, part, I was sitting there going, oh, you guys gotta get, get the, you're gonna run out of time to blow them all up. And I was like, what am I rooting for? Yeah. What the, <laughs> yeah. what, what have you done made me do, movie? You're, you're, I'm rooting for many, many people to be blown up. And yeah. a lot of them, maybe innocent? The, that's just the thing, happened like, to me at the party that night. Yeah, yeah the, that was the thing. I was like, ah, like, I feel like, yeah, anyone in uniform kill them because they're shooting at you too, and also they're yeah. in Nazi uniform. But that party, I don't know. Like, how, there's a I lot mean, of collateral damage in that yeah, party. That that's the best way of putting it. There was a lot of collateral. Damage. The other thing I thought was weird is as we speak about the women in the movie. There's that like German woman who like. Was she going in for a kiss at one point, or was he t- pulling her in? It looked, she looked like, like she was she, smiling. She was going in to kiss him when he stabbed her. That was a fucked up moment. Yeah, movie. The that character who I couldn't believe his name was actually Maggot, and it was spelt like Maggot. With, I and, thought it was going to be like M A G G. And it wasn't like, like a nickname. That was his. No, name. that was just his name. And I thought like, oh, people make fun of him and call him a Maggot, but that didn't seem to play into it. But anyway, yeah. If you haven't seen this movie, Maggot. Is a rapist and he kills women and he th- he thinks it's like a divine thing. That said, here's what I, and I say the word liked with a grain of salt. Here's what I liked about that character and the way they used him. I liked that it wasn't and and for this era and this kind of movie, like this is kind of a big B movie, right? Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a, a exploitation film to some extent. Um, what I did like about it is it wasn't like they tried to be cutesy with that character and then have him kind of redeem himself by the end. Yeah, I do like He that. was just a socio- sociopath mm-hmm. that was a sociopath until the end. And the and doctor calls that at the beginning. He's like, he's the worst of them. You got to watch out. Yeah, And, and, he, and, and he said he was going to turn on. Or he said, like, I'm going to give them their color. And so when he turns on them, I'm like, yeah, that tracks. That makes sense. But it's good because you want, because everything is going so well. It's like. You're sitting there going, something has to fuck up. Yeah. And I love that it's one of them that does it. It makes complete sense. I do like that. I think, you, yeah, you hit on something. Good. So that I worked. Like, that, I like, it, his character arc works. Yeah, I thought it worked nicely for the movie that you needed something like that. Because you don't like him, so it's good when he turns on them that you feel good that he gets killed by one of them as well. He doesn't get killed by a, a Nazi. He gets and killed by Jim Brown. And Jim Brown gets to kill him. Who, yeah. who he should, because he's the one that made the... Uh, the I forgot he about that. He was the Southern German who <laughs> made the comment. Yeah, I forgot about that. That really worked out. <laughs> yeah, it really. Well, first of all, when they first came in the door together, I was like, "Who pairs those two together?" Yeah, and I'm like, "Oh, the movie did it so that Jim Brown could be the one who kills him." I buy that. Yeah, and then I love, I love the guy that got stuck on the roof. His foot Ford? went through. Or no, why did I say that? Franco. Is that that's his name, right? Yeah, but Is I love that that wasn't the thing that alarmed them at all either. But it's just, but he also realized I'm not getting out of this. Yeah, I might as well uh, blow myself up and take out the radio tower. The other fucked up thing, before I forget, about that moment when um, the German woman goes to kiss Telly Savalas, Maggot, is that she he's, he tells her to scream, she does, and it stops everything at the party for, oh, yeah. like, a beat. When, and then someone's like, oh, is it passion or pain? Or maybe both. Yeah. Waka waka. And then everything goes back to normal. And they all laugh, and he's just like, right? That was a good joke. And no one cares. But you know what I will say <laughs> to, to, to our, our thing that we were just talking about a minute ago? If nothing else, just that happening at that party lets you go, yeah, fuck, kill them all. <laughs> yep. Kill everyone in that room. Who didn't, <laughs> who didn't help that woman. I, yeah, I guess there was just so much time in between that for me anyway. And then just, like, pleading for their lives. And I was like, you're really me- making me feel bad about this whole, like, we're killing them all. But you're right. Like, they, they do give enough instances of, like, yeah, these are bad people. Yeah, that is the one moment where you're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah kill them all. <laughs> you, yeah. If you were feeling bad at all for what's about to happen, here's this moment. Yeah, yeah. I, so you're making me feel better about this already. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm just trying to justify it. <laughs> I, yeah, I think the movie covers it. But other than the, I think the only 
downsides for me where it was weird that we spend so much time with them and I still couldn't name like half of them. Yeah, like there's the John Cassavetes, uh, who So that's Franco, right? Franco, yeah. And it's in, and what an interesting character for him. You look at you compare like that character to Rosemary's baby and yeah. it's like it's like night and day. It's it just makes you go, Oh, he's a really good actor. Yeah. That Playing this a, this even if you had no other like frame of rest, reference where I thought that he did a good like he's in terms of like for me like I don't know John Cassavetes as much as I know the other actors, and he still pulled focus, and he still was the charismatic one that I thought. Like, yeah, like he comes off as like a John Bernthal type, right? In this movie, yeah. where normally he plays more of uh, like a mousy kind of you know guy. Uh, and but what was what I kind of was a little disappointed in was I found like they spent so much time with him in that first act and like during the second act, but he kind of just disappears in the third. Mm-hmm. Act. He doesn't have a whole lot. Story-wise, you kind of expect him to be to do something major in the end. Well, yeah, you think. Well, at least I thought they were really building towards him trying to mount a mutiny, but like they didn't. They kind of gave up on that. Yeah, idea. he ha- like, he fell in line. Well, it was almost well, like they beat him up, and that made sense. But then he still was like, no, like they're not shaving. Like we can't shave with cold water. And even Jim Brown, who I guess is the voice of reason in the movie, is like, yeah, he's got a point, actually. Yeah. Uh, I thought like okay like he's he's gaining traction and then he just fell in line which I guess is good for making the movie can like just keep moving. Yeah, well that worked for me because I, I think that and because Lee Marvin makes that point at some point where he's like I need them to rally against something and if it's me yeah, that's yeah. fine and so it's almost like he but it's almost like that's it ended there to some extent that storyline. They even had the point where they think um, that Lee Marvin set up Charles Bronson in the bathroom and got him beat up. Which d- just takes care of itself. They're just like, oh, I guess he didn't. He didn't do that, yeah. And I was like, I, oh, like they're really pushing for these guys to like bond, like, bond, and like go against Lee Marvin. And that's where I get the concept of uh, like the war games thing they did, where they set up, you know, training's about to end, and then all of a sudden the generals are like, these guys are monsters, are, are a motley crew. It's like we can't yeah, let yeah. we're we sending them all back to prison. It's like, no, no, no. Let me prove. That my guys are better than yours. Yes, uh, and I and I like that from a structured point of view that they actually have to rally together and do something to prove that they can go on this mission, and and by the end of that they're finally a ragtag fighting group. But it just went on so long, and they all like the switching of the armbands. I didn't really. I was I, so I, confused I, in that I whole section. Was like what? Like it was if. They didn't have the observer character being like, you can't do that. I would have been like, I guess that's just the thing that no one else thought to do. But the fact that he said, you're not allowed to do that. And then they were just like, well, we are doing it. I was like, what a weird thing to add considering like. Well, what it says is that it's like these guys, these are. They'll do whatever it takes. They'll do whatever it takes. They're the behind the lines type of soldiers. They're not going to follow the rules. And that's why they're going to be good at what they do. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what my complaint is then. I just... <laughs> I just found... I was just confused for most of it. I was like, what... Are, I guess they're getting ready to work together. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is happening right now. Is it? Is this like a capture the flag kind of thing? What is... How do, how do I know they've won? Is what I kept on sitting there going, what... And then my brain started falling asleep. Yeah, that was the thing. Like, I, I guess all he said was, they'll capture your base, which they did. And I guess it can't be that complicated of a plan. It was really just, we'll pretend like one of us is injured. No, story-wise... And then, and yeah. then we got them. Yeah, story-wise, we just needed um, to see them working as a unit. Yes. It, really efficiently. But it just took so long to go through that. Uh, yeah, you could have easily... I think the third act's great. You could probably tighten it up a little bit here and there. But I thought that... Uh, Everything to do with taking the house was good, or the chateau, I liked. Uh, I liked it all, yeah. yeah. And I think I think the first act, you could have probably tightened up the first a little bit, and then a lot, you could cut, cut that second half in half. The war games? Yeah. Well, just some of the training got repetitive. Although some of it's great. Like, you want all those scenes. Those, it's kind of your tropes of... Uh, I guess, yeah, just mix in the training with the war games a little bit better i guess yeah or just pick your moments because that's, that's that's the tropes of these these soldier movies where it's like it's always about the recruitment and then you get mm-hmm. the training and then you get them working together as a team and so you need all those those beats 
Um, but uh, they just could have been. It could have been tightened. Well, I guess because what is it like? It's a goal, that Goldie Hawn movie. Is it Private Benjamin? That ends on War Games, doesn't it? So for me, I'm I've like, never oh, seen Private Benjamin. Okay, so like, so there was a bunch of things that I've seen that I can see where they've pulled from. The, I'm assuming from this movie, and I was like. Yeah, like, a war game to me, like, you could just end on that, even though it wouldn't get to what they need to. So, like, that's why I was just like, this is taking up a lot of time, considering, like, other movies would have just ended on this, because that's the bonding thing. But this movie is about, like, yeah, you the know. suicide mission, so, like, we really should be moving on to the suicide mission. <laughs> At some point, yeah. Let's get to the part that <laughs> yeah. matters. Uh, I did like how, um, once we got to the chateau and you start seeing all the parts... You start to see uh, how all those individual training things they were showing. Oh, like he out. had the like he had to swing the rope. And yeah, and I love that he was shitty at it. Yeah, I love that that took three times, and they're all like, "Just come on, just fucking do it, man." I thought Lee Marvin was gonna say something like encouraging. He's just like, "Hurry up, like, just do yeah, it. Uh, yeah." That was good stuff. Um, yeah, and that's what I thought. I, I liked that the movie. The movie it felt like every at every moment these are still humans. Yes. Like, it didn't suddenly turn them into super soldiers. They, they, they were yeah, still... Yeah, that's a good point. Like, they're not... They didn't just all of a sudden get amazing. They just did... Like, they just know how to get things done by any means necessary. So, like, it'll take a couple tries, but they'll get there. Yeah. Well, they embraced kind of the nature of who these guys were. Yeah. They were never going to be the stand-in-line, turn-at-attention. They were always going to be the kind of get people that chuckle at everything. Yeah. But... That's almost what you need in a mission like that. I like my favorite arc of the entire movie, and I don't know his, his name as a character, but was that the other, like the second in command? Uh, I liked him. He was the guy that survived because I liked just watching him eventually warm up to all these guys. That's that's a thing I always like in a movies. I don't I don't know if it's like a guilty pleasure. Just like if you, if I see someone like be proud of another character, I'm just like I like that. Good, they won them over. Yeah, and it's like he was almost like a proxy for the audience in that way. Yeah. You know, it's like if he was okay with what they were doing, it's okay for them to kill a room full of Nazis. I thought he died, and then I was like, oh no, they just got to be friends, and then no. he was still in there. He I was glad he didn't. I'm like, he's the one person who should survive. Yeah. I love that moment, too, where he warns Lee Marvin. He's like, you realize the first moment they get, they're going to shoot in the back <laughs> yeah. of the head. <laughs> Yeah, he he was on the ball. He knew what was going on. Yeah, he wasn't stupid. I liked him a lot. He was great. Um, what else? And it's interesting. So it's like now talking about like the, the the pop culture implications of this movie. So it's like we we end up seeing so many iterations of this kind of you know team ups. You've got you know your Glorious Bastards. You got your Suicide Squads. You've got. Uh, you know, there's some, there's some, even some football movies in there. Yes. I think there's a bunch of those movies where it's like, well, the the league's on strike now, so we're gonna get all the the scabs together. It's was like the, that was the Keanu Reeves movie, like the replacement. Was it the Longest Yard? Longest Yard, which was a remake which, of a movie that I think the same director made. Oh, so he did the Burt Reynolds one. Yeah, I think okay. he did the Longest Yard. Is the other movie that I I just was looking up really quick what else he worked on. Because, uh, yeah, the, the, like, when they were doing the roll call, I'm like, oh, so this, like, this is where Tarantino, it's shot, well, Tarantino shot his roll call scene like that. The roll call scene feels, yeah, that's the one thing that feels completely lifted from, uh... And I guess there's elements of, uh, again, Inglorious Bastard taking from the Chateau scene, like, his German's not that good, so you're kind of worried, like, oh, when is that going to screw them over? And just overall, the like that they dress up to go in and, uh, like behind them enemy lines and at like a party, and it's not a war zone. Yeah, they're dressed up. They're dressed up in that. Uh, so that that I liked seeing echoed. As I said, the private Benjamin. I should probably just look up the name of it. Uh, That's okay. That no. movie I thought was like the war games thing where I'm like, okay, like this is a fun way to show that they know what they're doing and like. Yeah, and that's and that's what I mean. That's what Tarantino does really well. Tarantino is a great remixer. Like he yes. takes he takes uh, things he likes from pop culture and then just kind of makes it his own and blends it with this that or the other thing and so you know Inglorious Bastards is heavily influenced by Dirty Dozen I mean he even goes on the record to say that um, but then he brings in other things from war movies that yeah. he he grew up appreciating 
but you can easily see where he's lifted uh, all of these things uh, from all the the characters and whatnot. It's it's it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, uh, what else? Yeah, it's like there's, I mean, there's the Suicide Squad stuff, which I just know because I've seen the movie multiple times. Is like just the idea that like there's a boardroom essentially deciding whether or not they're going to bring in these criminals. I guess I was kind of right when I assumed they were prisoners because that that was actually the case. Yeah, they're war. They're war criminals. So they all other. I mean, it seemed like. They made a point to show that uh, Jim Brown was just defending himself against racist people. Yeah. Uh, and then the, what was his name? Posey? The the, 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 the biggest giant. guy. Oh, he, was, he just was pushed around and he accidentally killed the person. By fucking, like, pushing him and shoving his, yeah. his brain through his, 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 jaw through his, through his brain. brain. Holy fuck. And he's like, I didn't want to do that. He's like, yeah, well, what would happen if he wanted to kill someone? <laughs> yeah, that's a great line. And what? How did he die? What happened to him? I missed his death in the movie. So did I, if I'm being honest. I, don't know. I think he just got, like, oh, because he was with Donald Duck. And Donald, those guys just got shot when... Uh, when the trucks came in. Yeah, when the trucks came the in. The backup came in. Okay, that's how it was. Yeah, because there was a whole bunch of deaths in there that were kind of just happened. That's too bad. Posey deserved a better death. Or to live. Posey should Cause, fucking... Because he was like, yeah, I guess... My, no, I guess he had to die because he said my parents would like it if I died a soldier. Oh, that's true. But he said, I don't care. He seemed, <laughs> yeah, he's like, I wouldn't, but like my yeah. parents would like it. <laughs> As opposed to a war criminal. Yeah. Yeah, well, that said, Posey deserved to live. Posey was a good guy. Posey accidentally killed the guy who shoved him. Yeah, he doesn't <laughs> like being shoved. And, and he was really nice throughout the movie. Like, he didn't want to take on Lee Marvin or anything. No, he stood up for one of the smaller guys at one point. Yeah. You know? Yeah, Posey was a good guy. Probably the cleanest of the Dirty Dozen. Yeah, everyone else seemed like they had some real, like... Other than Posey and Jefferson, it seemed like everyone else had some, like, uh, malicious uh, crimes going on. And what did Donald Sutherland's character do? He was just kind of crazy. I want to say that he was part of some robbery that went awry. Oh no, no, that was that was. He's got Franco. That. Franco was the one where he's like, "What did you steal? Like you got like ten dollars worth of whatever you were doing." Yeah, Franco's is weird. What a weird, weird crime to. Well, he wasn't gonna die. He he had he twenty was... years. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I love the Donald Sutherland scene where he they. Uh, so I need him to be a general. Oh yeah, that was great. What a great scene. That's those are the pictures I kept seeing. I didn't know what in what context they were, but I just kept seeing that and I thought that was going to be his inter- introduction, but it was even better. It was him pretending to be a general. Well, it's just funny because his character is just kind of in the background for, you know, the first little bit and then and I was worried at first. I was like, "Oh, he's just a really really uh, periphery character." But he slowly got a bigger role as it yeah. went along. I wonder how much of it changed as they went along because I think it was a notoriously longer shoot than they planned on. I read that something. I read something quick, briefly about how Jim Brown almost was at risk of missing the beginning of uh, the playoff season or the, oh, okay. the beginning of the, the next season. For cause I he, was I was waiting for him to do something football like, and then he ran at the end. At the end, when he had to do the all the four things, I was like. All right, good. I'm glad they made use of that. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise it's like, you're just Jim Brown. Yeah. Yeah, they needed to use that at the end of the movie. Uh, but I like, I like that there was a lot of... There was at least half of them that you kind of were able to follow to some extent. Yes. And then the rest were just there to die because you want... You need you need a body count Because, yeah, like... I think there's only two of them where, where I was like, I have no clue, like, what your deal is. Because not everyone gets a moment with the doctor or like because it seemed like they were kind of introducing people through the doctor doing the like psych evals yeah and uh lee marvin like trying to antagonize them or at least but, like not everyone got a chance to do that but you also can't do that 12 times in a row it yeah. just gets really really uh really boring really fast yeah uh, but it's good you need the body count it also like reminds me like you feel like this is almost inspired by something like seven samurai um, yeah you know uh, even though they're not criminals, it's still like a ragtag group of people who are on a mission that they're not really qualified for. Yeah. 
No, I I was, as I said, pleasantly surprised that, like, it had more elements of films that I like than I thought it would. Yeah. No, it's not a traditional war movie at all. No. Right? Like, it's not, you know, it's not heroes overcoming bad guys. It's bad guys beating worse guys. Yeah, which, now that I've seen the movie, I understand everyone's desire to watch more, like, Suicide Squad, uh... Uh, Sinister Six movies. I see why. Yeah. Like, now that superheroes are the thing to do, they're trying to like get back in there. But it seems like no one has got that sensibility that this movie had yeah. downright. And you said you saw Suicide Squad multiple times. Yeah. Why? <laughs> I don't hate it. Oh, you don't hate it? No. I don't, I understand what's wrong about it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like here like, no, no, you guys are stupid. You don't get it. I understand what's wrong with the movie. <laughs> I it came at a time where I was like, man, Will Smith doesn't have fun in movies anymore, and he was fun in this movie. Yep. Uh, I, I I am a fan of Viola Davis. I like Margot Robbie. So those three like performances, I was just like, I, I got what I wanted out of those. And then the rest of it, I'm like, yeah, it was weird that you decided to use Joker the way you did, and. But also uh, just like the whole plot was just like why they're just, they're the just the enchantress thing was weird as well yeah yeah so, so yeah like the main weird. parts of it are but, weird. but <laughs> like the, the tra- when that trailer came out I'm like I'm in I'm so in like what yeah. a great trailer and then five minutes into the movie is just like oh no I think <laughs> I think the trailer was the best part of this movie for me I think people. I'm not saying anything new about that. That was the issue is they took the movie away from David Ayer and got the people who did the trailer to actually edit the movie. So they just took his footage and they were like, everyone liked that trailer you guys made. So you do the movie now. Is that what really happened? Yeah. That's actually what happened. I had no idea. Yeah. So that trailer people fucked it up. I mean, I don't know if the David Ayer movie was going to be great. I just know that I didn't get to see his movie I didn't, like, there was a bunch of things that I didn't get to see because they decided at the last minute, let's, let's change course and give it to the trailer people. You know what's interesting? I would, as much as I really disliked that movie, I would watch a director's cut of that movie. Yeah. 100%. I'd go, I'd go back just to see what he was aiming for. Because that, like you said, like, all of the elements were there in, in, in a lot of ways. Uh, there's some plot wonky things that bothered me, but... Um, you know, I'm, if Margot Robbie, you know, plays Harley Quinn again, I'm, I'm in. Well, she does have her Birds of Prey. Yeah, they're doing Birds of Prey. Which I'm happy about. And it was the rumored Joker Harley Quinn movie that yeah, may or may that not happen. But they have a script for it, but I'm just hoping it doesn't happen. DC is just flailing. Yes. They're just like, they're just like, yeah. do everything at once. Blah! That's... Oh, yeah, it's that's not working? Really, ah, no. <laughs> very disappointing, because my favorite character is Batman. I'm just like, oh boy, like this is not going well. You still have the Nolan movies? Yeah, I don't, and I'll never forget them. Yeah, I will say, I, I'm excited, though, for this uh, the Todd, Todd Phillips Scorsese Joker. I think At first, I was like, this is a dumb idea, but then I saw the, like, the imagery, and I'm like, okay, I'm in. And the casting they're doing looks great. And even the, the trailer for Shazam looks really fun. Yeah, I I figured I would like that one just because I I was following the director like on Instagram and he seemed like he was having a great time. Yeah, so I was like, okay, well, like he seems to be having a much better time than almost every other director out there. Out there, yeah. <laughs> well, it's almost like they're they're allowing him to just make a, a fun weird movie. Yeah, which is kind of what Marvel does well. Like Marvel, I think lets people kind of put their own stamp on it as long as they follow these rules and yeah. You got you got to have a sit down with Kevin Feige, but after that, as long as you yeah. do what he says, you can, I mean, or do or don't do what he says not to do, then well, you can work yeah. within those concepts. Well, I think is there was there was like someone in the brain trust early on that was was making it harder, but then once that that shifted, I think it was like the worst. You know, I think the worst that that happened was the Edgar Wright stuff around Ant Man was their most troubled production in terms of yeah having. And, it, and, Thor of the Dark World seemed like it was a bad Oh, that's just a terrible movie. Yeah, but that's yeah, also... but the director, like, right away... Like, I remember before the movie even came out, I was like, I'm not coming back for another one. And I was like, well, that's a bad sign. And then he was like, oh, and they put some stupid post-credit scene on my movie. I don't I don't know what it's about. So I was just like... Yeah. Yikes. Thor, the, that's the worst one for me. But, but what I liked about... It's almost like you started to see this shift of changing course of just going... 
Oh, let directors make interesting movies. Yes. As long as they, and then as long as they, you know, connect these things we need them to do, uh, it's okay. And that's why, so you start getting stuff like Guardians and, you know, things well, like yeah, that. We're never going to get another Guardians movie. But I don't think, I, no, I don't, I think we're done with Guardians movies. Yeah. But that's probably okay. Yeah. I, I like them, but also if they don't do any more, that's fine. Yeah. At least we have the ones we have that's just it. What's and it's like the only person I think that can come in and take over this point without people having an uproar is Taika. If Taika comes yeah. in, people will be like, oh, oh okay. This, but and then I'm like, it makes I feel like he it. wouldn't because that's like a dangerous precedent to be like, uh, if we'll just fire the one guy and get their friend to come in. Yeah, and everyone's wooing Taika anyway. He can do whatever yeah. the fuck he wants next. Yeah, because <laughs> that was a great Thor movie. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, to go from Thor the Dark World to that is... Amazing. Amazing. Um, yeah. I want to see now. I want to see a, a Dirty Dozen version set in the MCU. I, Sinister, I mean, Sinister Stick is that, right? Is the MCU version of... Uh, yeah, the, that would be there. I, which, it looked like they were trying to build to in Spider-Man Homecoming because they had Vulture, Scorpion, and then I'm sure whoever comes next will be in it or they had the shocker i guess so those yeah. three people could be in it well they were originally trying to build to that with the oh, andrew the, garfield ones yeah. right because uh and then they just instantly kind of abandoned that once they realized they weren't going to make a third mm-hmm. or that i think they just had the opportunity to join up with the mcu and it was like abandon ship well that was the interesting because it was like they wanted to do sinister six and they wanted tom hardy to be sandman and that's, oh. how, that's like how they pitched it. There was Drew Goddard, who did Cabin in the Woods and yeah. uh, Bad Times at El Royale. And he pitched it like, yeah, just imagine like Tom Hardy like swooping through the city of Sandman. And they're like, yeah, great. We're and in- then Tom Hardy ended up doing Venom. And I was like, well, I guess they still kept him in mind. <laughs> yeah, they just shifted course on that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it's... Uh, I Now that I've seen the movie, I understand the appeal of doing stories like that. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's always fun to tell the stories of the bad guys, right? Bad guys are, you know, generally more interesting characters. But I think what, what this movie does is it, um, we're back to talking about Dirty Dozen yeah. now, in case you uh, you uh, missed that, our, our, our Marvel tangent. Uh, it it kind of paves the way for, and what it does is it kind of, like, lets filmmakers know the audience is like, oh, it's okay to, like, it almost, like, movies like this almost creates, like, anti-heroes. Yeah. That's that's why I'm always like worried about which characters you choose for these, um, because as Venom kind of proved my point, while I enjoyed the movie more than I thought I would, I was like, yeah, but he's just a hero now. Like they've yeah. essentially made him like less of an anti-hero than he usually is. Because I the movie got across to me that like both Eddie Brock and now the symbiote are like we only hurt bad people. Just kind of like this group of people switch into uh, the Dirty Dozen, switch into like, well, yeah, we're going to hurt these Nazis. Because I thought that was actually an interesting element going into it. And Lee Marvin touches on it that like they really didn't they didn't like the U.S. Army. And then like it shifts into them being like, yeah, we're going to like do the right thing and kill these Nazis instead of keep pushing back and being they still do it a pretty brutal way they're yeah. like we're gonna burn them and blow them up right but that was like all stuff that that was all energy that was aimed at Americans before yeah that's true before the end of the movie so it shifts them into being like using their aggression in the yeah. right or aiming it at the right people yeah, but sure, but this this paves the way for like you know stuff like Deadpool as well yeah and, th- and those kind of things that worked well I, I mean Usually, that was like one of my favorite action figures as a kid. And I was like, I don't really know what a Deadpool is, or I just really like this action figure. So like, I started reading about. It, I played the video. I'm like, okay, I got a much. Better. I did not get that from his the way that I, I thought he was like a, just a bad guy straight up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, he's cool. It's funny. I like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's almost like sometimes we play the game of like, how do you remake this now? But I feel like they're already doing that, or yes. have done it in so many different ways. I'm trying to think, was it what's a what's a, what's a modern take on it that we haven't seen though yet? Hmm. 
I got nothing because now we're starting to do it. It's starting to it cross pollinates into so many different things. Like we said, we've seen like the sports movie version of it. So, and, and it's kind of hilarious that this guy did, uh, yeah, did I, the I, longest really yard. Cause it is a version of that to some extent, right? Bringing in the scabs. Yeah. And you're like, well, cause yeah, there's the longest yard, which is the prisoners. And then there's the replacements, which is the scabs. Yeah. And he's done, and I was wrong. Like the, the director, Robert Aldridge has done a ton of stuff that I knew, like kiss me deadly. Hmm. Um, do, 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 going through 10 seconds to hell. That, I don't know that one. Whatever happened to baby Jane. Okay. I know that. Sodom one. and Gomorrah. Uh, the Flight of the Phoenix. Okay, I don't know. Um, well, I saw the remake. I didn't see his original. Yeah. Uh, what else? And then The Longest Yard. The Frisco Kid. Hmm. Yeah, so he's done a bunch of stuff. But I think I think this this and The Longest Yard are probably the stuff the most that known. he's most known for. Um, yeah. What else? Any other final thoughts? Final thoughts. Um, I guess I just keep coming back around to how much I enjoyed Lee Marvin's performance, so it's weird that he was not really into it. Yeah, too. I'm going to read up more on that. It'd be be interesting to see what it's like, because I think that's the only Lee Marvin performance I've seen in full. So it'd be interesting to go and see what happens when he actually wants to be doing what he's doing. Yeah, that's true. Well, it's also it's like he's you know at the the later part of his career here, and, right. and it's probably I think he looks and I think on paper you think about it really it's like you look at the script and it's like oh it's a movie about a bunch of assholes that go and kill Nazis. Yeah, and he's like he's going this is not a serious war movie. I'm not going to win an Academy Award for this thing. That's true. You know, so he's probably uh, and I don't, I don't know what he, his reputation was in other movies either. It's always one of those things where it's like it's um you know that 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 old rule of don't you know don't meet your heroes. He did come back though for Dirty Dozen: The Next Mission in 1985. Well, you kind of have to. Well, I'm sure he did because I'm sure when it came out, he realized, oh, this is what this movie is. Yeah, you know. Oh, like you think like he it, it was like one of those Mad Max situations where Tom Hardy's like this is the stupidest thing ever that he sees him he's like oh okay I get it now cool All I right. didn't know that was, was Tom Hardy not on board <laughs> he, for Fury Road. It sounds like he had the worst time ever. Like, he was fighting with Charlize Theron, fighting with George Miller, and then he, like, gave, like, this full-on apology to George Miller after he saw the movie. He was like, okay, I get it. Like, I I see you know what you were doing. Well, because they didn't... I can get that, because just from... I mean, they were shooting in the desert. It's, like, probably hot as fuck all the time, and it's just wind in your face. He was wearing a mask for most of the movie. Mm -hmm. Although Tom Hardy just mostly takes on roles where he gets to act with his eyes anyway. Which is why I like him because he's usually covered up, and I'm still like I get I he's get what's so good. He's yeah. so good, but also like you know all, all the set reports that I had read or heard like is that there was no script. Yeah, for I think that really that, pissed that, him off. That, that went around. It was just like so he probably just felt like a puppet half the time. But yeah. like, stand there, do this. He's like, why? Where is this going in the story? <laughs> but George Miller had it all in his head. Yeah, I really like that movie. So when I heard how like dysfunctional it was, I was like, wow. Good well, for him because, as he said, he must have just had it all in his head. He's like, I don't care how you treat me. I know how this is going to end. Didn't have it, yeah. But also, they had it all in his head but probably didn't articulate anything <laughs> anything, or felt the need to. He's like, I'm George Miller. This is the fourth one. Yeah. I know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah. I made Babe Pig in the City, motherfucker. And one you, of my mom's favorite movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she should do a, that and a, a, a double bill with that in Fury Road. I have to go I back. don't know if she's seen if she's seen Fury Road. I no, she did. She did. She That's did. the only Mad Max I've seen. It's the only Mad Max I've seen. Ah, I was on a real kick of watching. I feel like I'm gonna piss off a lot of people. I haven't seen any Rocky movies other than Creed. See, that same I, year it was like Creed and Mad and, Max that I was just like, ah, oh, maybe I should go back and see those other movies. Creed's my black hole. I still haven't watched Creed yet, but I'm gonna so I can go and watch the yeah. second one because I know it's everyone raved about it, but somehow I, it just I missed it when it came I out. Don't, I don't know how this second one will be because I think the big thing was that it was Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan, and this one's not Ryan Coogler. Yeah. So hopefully they they know what made the first one good and keep that going. Keep it going. He's got that Black Panther money now. 
Good for him. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, fuck yeah. He's like, I'm not going back to do Rotten Creed. Yeah, that was like a major, like, let the director do what they want thing. Other than all the characters I heard he couldn't use that he wanted to use. Mm. But I was like, I don't even know how you would do that. But that's interesting that you wanted to use that. He's like, I want Craven the Hunter. They're like, you can't have him. He's like, I want, like, uh, the liberate. Like, I don't even remember what the character's name is. And why wouldn't they let him have certain characters? Just because they're saving them? So, or, like, because the, it's the whole the MCU tie- versus Sony thing. Oh, it's and, tied like, up into certain things. Yeah. So they, have- they don't have the full on rights to Spider Man. They just, Sony just recognizes it's better if Marvel uses them. Uses him. And then, because they make you know, all the money off of that box office. And so, like, that was what was happening Yeah, no, to that them. I know. Yeah. But I didn't know there was any of the Black Panther characters that were tied up inside of that. Yeah. Well, it's okay. We're going to get, uh, you know, the foxes, all all the mutants are coming over. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. There's. A, have you read any theories about how they're going to bring that in? I'm hoping they're wrong, but yeah, I've seen them. <laughs> There's one that I like that I'm like, do I like this or do I hate this? About how undoing the Thanos snap brings brings mutated genes to people like there's something fascinating with that i would be interested i mean it explains why we haven't seen anything since this is i guess that's the thing everyone needs to figure out a way to like um reconcile that like mutants will be in these movies at some point but we've never seen them before outside of scarlet witch Right, and they changed her origin so that she can just be somebody that was experimented on yeah exactly well, well, thanks, man. Thank you very much. This is fun. We'll do it again for some. We'll find another thing. That would be amazing. Yeah, because I now that I've been listening to the episodes, I'm like, there are so many. Mo-. Like as I said, like Barry Lyndon is one that I still haven't seen, and uh, there's just so many movies that I feel like I really get on. Like when you said Rosemary's Baby, I'm I'm aware of that movie. I've seen clips. I need to watch that from beginning. But to you end. haven't seen Rosemary's Baby? No, I don't. We haven't done it yet. We can do that. Okay. Or, or something. We'll find something. We'll, we'll find, find multiple it. things. This was really fun. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks, man. Let's all go to the Thanks for joining us for The Dirty Dozen. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at LonJeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.